welcome to episode one of the BitCast podcast. The brand new unofficial podcast for microbit makers and tech enthusiasts. In this new podcast, we aim to cover the latest microbit news, projects, as well as interviewing members of the microbit tech community. My name is Kerry, one of the co-founders of Micromag. And my name is Josh, the other co-founder of Micromag. For our first episode, we are excited to be joined by Giles Booth, Education Content Manager for the Microbit Educational Foundation, to talk about the latest developments in the Microbit ecosystem and the process that went on behind the creating them. Welcome to the show, Giles. Thank you very much. I'm delighted and honoured to be here on your first episode. So, uh, let's head straight to our first section, which is our fortnight in Microbit. So in this section, we'll talk about some of the Microbit-related things we've been doing in the past two weeks. For example, talking about a new Microbit add-on or a event we have been to. So, Kerry, what have you been up to these past two weeks? With the schools closing, I've been thinking of other ways to get my tutorials out there for the kids to learn. So I've been working on video editing skills and creating video intros. Hope to release the first one later this week. We also released issue 7 of Micromag, which was exciting. And um, for Micromag, reviewed the simple robotics kit from Kitronic, which was a great little kit to review and easy to build. So was that the cardboard one? Yes. So what were, what were your kind of like thoughts on, on what that was like? As a, you know, compared to like, because there's a lot of like pre-built ones, I'm just interested to know like, because obviously a lot of the robots that I've got, are like you get them in like a kit where you've just got to put the wheels on or attach some motors. Uh, what was it like, you know, just to have a bit of a different experience with, you know, actually building it from nothing? Yeah, it was quite interesting, because the first time we tried it was when I did the robotics workshop in the V&A, and we tried to get the kids to build it. Yeah. And we basically got it all built, but it would work. So we're like, ah, what's gone wrong? But it's the case of, because you have to bend the copper bits of the motors down to reach the contact pads on the... Cl- clip motor bits that they've developed they weren't quite bent down properly so they weren't getting connection right so it's a case of taking it all apart again and just trying to work out what went wrong so for kids to build themselves it is a bit difficult so they do need a bit of adult help i mean with at my co club uh, the other month we did um we used the new fortronics drive bit which is like a, a pi zero sized motor controller that i, I found that really easy to use because it was just like little screw terminals. And apart from the fact of eight-year-old kids using screwdrivers <laughs> and uh, not knowing which way to turn it to do what they wanted it to do, that was um, quite easy to use. So yeah, they, they were good to use. Yeah. I think, they're, I think they're only about seven pounds. Yeah, they're the ones that we used in the V&A on the second day. That's what we actually got kids building the robots with, which was great. Yeah, they found them a lot easier than this one. On to my bit. The past two weeks, I left school, which is why we're recording this at one on a Tuesday, rather than me being at school. Uh, obviously the world is coming to a halt where nothing is really going on. And as I was in year 11, they cancelled exams. Uh, so I have none of them to do anymore. And I have lots of time. So one of the first things I've done these past few weeks is given the Edubox Learn site a bit of a refresh, because I want to do some more resources on there. Because obviously with, with schools not using their facilities at school, I kind of got to make a backup plan uh, so that Edge Blocks doesn't just die off and then all of the work's gone to waste. So I plan on writing some more Microboot tutorials to go on there this week. And you can also write your own tutorial. There's a, a new link on there that has a guide of how to write it. It's really simple to do. You just write it in Markdown, which is a, an easy language to learn. There's a, a really good GitHub guide that I've linked on that page as well if you want to learn more about that. 
So that is what I've been doing with that. Uh, another thing I've been playing with is the Pi Supply um, Low Raw Microbit Kit, which is um, is a combination of Microbit and Raspberry Pi. So the gateway hat that goes onto the Raspberry Pi, uh, I think that's about £100, which you might think, oh, that's a lot for a hat. Uh, but then we, when you look at other low bar uh, kit and you look at that and it's like £600, you're like, oh, this is quite a good deal. And the mic bit board just uses make code blocks. So it's really easy to get set up. Uh, and there's a, a really good guide that shows you how to get that sorted with the Things Network, which is quite a popular website for um, using this kit. So that is part of an ARM project that I'm doing. So ARM are running a, um, a Youth Ambassadors program called ARM Gen 2Z, which is a group of, I think it's about four or five of us with some ambassadors from ARM and another company that they partnered with. And what we're building is a, a plant watering project for uh, farms or at home. And it'll be an app that talks with this Microbit kit through the Raspberry Pi. The reason we're using the low kit is because it's long range. So if you've got a farm, you know, farms are quite big and our original idea was to use Wi-Fi, but the problem with Wi-Fi or mobile data is that if you're in the middle of a farm, it's not necessarily that good in some places. It can be a bit patchy, but with this, it's just radio over long range and it'll be really easy to set up. And obviously you've got the Raspberry Pi as a base station, so you can connect to the internet through that and you don't have to have um, Wi-Fi on the actual mic bit which is pretty cool. Another thing I've been doing is like Kerry producing some more video tutorials. I found that using um, OBS Studio, which is a, a free app for Windows, Mac and Linux, and you literally just set up two scenes where you've got like a little intro and then your video recording of the actual editor. So you just load up a web page, press record, and you can do your little tutorial there. And the cool thing is, is you can either live stream that or you can record it and it, they literally take five minutes to do these video tutorials. Uh, it's really easy to do. Uh, it looks like you've edited it as well. Uh, obviously you can do editing as well, but you don't have to. So yeah, I found that really useful and hopefully there'll be more of that. So I'll link those in the show notes as well. So that's the end of me. What has Giles been doing these past two weeks? Um, well, as you say, it's uh, kind of an interesting time for everyone at the moment. So um, lots of us in the Microbit Educational Foundation already work remotely. So in many ways, we're pretty well set up for this, but we're all having to come to terms with kind of new ways of working. So uh, speaking personally, I've now got quite a busy house. Normally, it's just me and my wife working from home, but we are sharing our new co-working space uh, with our elder son, who's back home from university in Bristol, because all his lessons and lectures and tutorials and whatnot are now all online. Uh, they're all virtual. And I guess we'll be until the end of the academic year. Uh, we have uh, another son who, a um, bit like you, Josh, was expecting to do some exams <laughs> this summer. He was expecting to do A-levels, but we think he's probably now left school. But uh, because we don't know what's happening with uh, assessment and how they're going to give you a grade, basically, uh, he's still got work to do. <laughs> so um, He's still finishing up a bit of work. It's probably the same for you. It's not School's not entirely out, um, even if you've left. Um, and my daughter is uh, just a little bit shy of doing her GCSEs at the moment, but she's got um, work to do as well. So she's got uh, her school has didn't have a virtual learning environment. They set one up really quickly last week. Uh, they 
done uh, they've done amazing work set up google classroom she's going to school in her front room <laughs> So that's become a become a classroom where she can. Uh, can luckily, she has a Chromebook, as luck would have it, because we're kind of fighting over laptops at the moment. Uh, so she had her own Chromebook. It's obviously perfect for for Google Classroom. So we're coming to yeah, we're trying to adjust to that. So domestically, <laughs> trying to get trying to come to terms with our new ways of working. Uh, in terms of work, um, we're we're still very busy in the Microbit Foundation. But as you know, we've just launched our new website and classroom tool, um, and we've realised, of course, people have put it to us, and, and we've realised ourselves that our classroom tool, which we'll talk about a bit later, um, was built for use in classroom but you can use it remotely. So we've been preparing uh, some resources uh, and guides to help using Microbit Classroom, but also uh, lists of resources to help teachers set up activities that um, pupils can access at home, whether or not you've got a Microbit. So that's, that's kind of what's been keeping me busy over the last week. Right, let's head on to the next section. So the next section is our news section. In this section, we'll be discussing microbit-related news and projects that we think are worth covering and sharing with the community. So, topic one, Josh? Yeah. So, the first topic which Giles briefly mentioned a second ago is this new remote learning page. So, it's probably best if uh, he explains it. So, if you have a look, um, hopefully you'll be able to put some show notes with this and include a link to the page. Um, it's, it's kind of hidden away a little bit in our user guide section of our new website. Um, we've created a page that has got, um, it's like a, a list of resources that we think could be useful for remote learning and remote teaching. Uh, we're going to be building on this in the, in the coming weeks as people uh, develop new ways of learning. Um, the first thing is Microbit Classroom which is um, the coding tool that I mentioned earlier. So we created this in order to make it easier to, to run a whole class coding session in class. The idea is you can very easily distribute the same code to a whole group of students. Uh, and you can, as a teacher, you can uh, track their progress and you can capture their code at the end of the, end of the session to resume another time so everyone gets their code back. Students don't need to worry about saving their code anywhere. It's just down to the teacher to save one file that does all the code for everyone. And you can do little snapshots of the lesson at any point and download a Word document. It's very simple. A Word document with everyone's name and their code. So you can see what they were doing. You've got a permanent record that you can use kind of for assessment later. However, we realise, of course, you don't need to be in the same room because you join it. Uh, you join a Microbit Classroom session a bit like a Kahoot quiz, if you've ever used one of those. So you don't have a login. You don't have a password. You just uh, need, need the pin and the, uh, the website address to go to and you can join the classroom session. So because of that, it means you don't need to be in the same room as long as you've got a, a way of teaching remotely, um, whatever tools you're using, whether it's Microsoft Teams or uh, Google Hangout or whatever you're using to stream your live teaching, uh, you can run a microbit classroom session live in real time. Uh, a coding session with your students uh, using Microbit Classroom. So we've, we've um, added to our guide on how to do that. We made a little video uh, showing you how you might set that up. It also shows you how Microbit Classroom works because it's the kind of thing, if you look at Microbit Classroom and read all the instructions, you might think, oh, it's really complicated, but it's not. It's, it's very simple to use. It's much easier just for me to show you and tell you um, in verbally. Uh, how it works so we made a little video that's on there as well uh, just showing how you set up a classroom whether you're using it remotely or not um, and we've got some links as well in there to other other things that you might find useful so our new website has got lots of new videos animated videos they're really short they're like two minutes long um, 
animated videos going through every feature of the micro bit uh, and some concepts as well. So one of our most popular ones uh, videos seems to be the one about processor. So how does a processor work and what does it do? Because the micro bit is really, it's a tiny computer and we it's designed for education. And I think the strength of the micro bit is it's, it's explaining kind of how hardware and software interact at quite a simple level. It only has a tiny display with a five by five matrix of LEDs on it, but you learn at quite an interestingly low level how displays work and, and the kind of things you have to consider in terms of getting information in and out of a computer system. How do you get the inputs from the sensors? How do you process them using code? And then how do you present information back out to the real world. So we've included links to our feature videos. Uh, the MakeCode team at Microsoft are doing amazing work. They are running live lessons on lots of different MakeCode uh, strands, including Microbit. So at the moment, every day at, let's get this right, it's 9 a.m. Pacific time, because they are in Seattle, um, which comes out as 4 p.m. in the afternoon in in the UK. Uh, they're running live lessons, so they're doing live microbit coding lessons, and they're doing other stuff as well with MakeCode. So we've included a link to there as well, and you can watch back their videos after they've done their live lessons as well. And we've also got some simple projects as well. So the new website has got things called Make It Code It projects. These are really simple makes um, using lots of different features of the microbit. They're in MakeCode and they're in Python. Some of them are even in Scratch. Um, simple little projects like a name badge, familiar things, the magic eight ball, step counters, and some more complicated ones as well, using um, maybe using more than one micro bit or using more advanced coding concepts. So we've got uh, links to those in there. Um, great for home learning, uh, sort of thing you can just explore yourself. It tells you everything you need to know in each project, but how to make it. Uh, and gives you the code so you can flash it straight onto your micro bit if you want. Uh, and we've got some links to other resources as well that we think are useful for home learning. So the Code Club has got amazing micro bit projects that are very self, um, they're kind of self-driven. So if you want to sit some children down and get them just working through tasks where everything is explained step by step, the Code Club micro bit projects are a great place to go. Um, Microsoft Make Code have got loads of projects just on the normal Make Code website as well. So we've got a link to that. Uh, and of course our friend BBC Bite Size. Um, so they are, doing amazing work try to try and put more content onto BBC Bite Size at the moment. And it's a great place. It's a great reference anyway. If you just want to brush up, anyone wants to brush up, um, whether it's students or teachers, if you want to brush up a concept and think, oh, I think I know what that means, but I'm not quite sure and I'm a bit embarrassed to ask. Uh, the Bite Size website is a great place for educators as well, just to go and, uh, and just uh, freshen up on a few concepts. Well, I remember Bite Size when I was at school. Never mind now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think one of the earlier points you made is like that, like it's got a, a really low barrier to entry, which I think is one of the the good things about Mike. But you know, if like if like you're just using it by yourself without teacher guidance, it's very much self-explanatory of how it works. Um, and another thing to mention is you don't actually need a mic bit to get started. That's a really good point. I, I should have mentioned that. Yeah. So yeah, it, very low barrier. You don't even need a micro bit, as you say. So lots of the uh, projects on our Make It Code It page, you don't need a micro bit. They will work in the simulator in Make Code. Um, so they're brilliant. And obviously uh, a lot of the micro, uh, the Microsoft projects, it's the same as well. Even some of the quite complicated um, features of a device, like the radio one, and one of our favorite radio projects is the teleporting duck, where you program uh, a micro bit, you shake it, and a duck flies through the air, 
by magic and you pass it between two microbits by shaking it, that project will work in the simulator because it's the same code on both microbits. So you can still explore some of the more advanced sensors and features like that, even if you don't have a real microbit in your hands. So yeah, like you say, it's a very low barrier to entry. You don't even need a microbit. You just need a web browser so you can get online. One thing to mention is on the make code page, they've got a bit that if your school is actually using Microsoft Teams, They've integrated MakeCode into that, so you can set MakeCode assignment for the microbit as well, which uh, you can use a simulator in that as well. Um, and I know a lot of schools have started using Teams for the online learning. So um, if you're using Microsoft Teams, that's something to look at as well. Kerry is going to talk about the MakeCode daily streams, just to reiterate on that. Yeah, so MakeCode are doing daily streams, as we said, at 9am Pacific time, so 4pm here. Um, which is live streams demonstrating their MakeCode platform and learning resources for the kids that's out of school. Yeah, and it's also important to note that MakeCode isn't just Microbit. They have extended um, their offering to all sorts of things now. So I think Minecraft's one of them, isn't it? Uh, they're so, uh, yeah, I think they're doing my, my, doing my Minecraft lessons. They're certainly doing MakeCode... Oh, I can't even say it. MakeCode Arcade, <laughs> which is another platform. It's a game-based um, platform for, for sort of physical computing. Yeah, so... Um, and I think I'm pretty sure uh, Microsoft Education Edition of Minecraft is free uh, while schools are off, um, which is something I saw them tweet about. I'll put a link to that as well uh, when we publish the episode. On to two of our projects that we've seen on Twitter... So I'll take the first one uh, that I saw. Flotronics have made a, um, it's kind of like a, a light-up sphere, which has, uh, I think they're NeoPixel LEDs, uh, and they're kind of like edge-lit. Uh, I just thought that was pretty cool, because that's, they have their uh, cube bit, which is like a, a, a cube. I think you can get it up to 5x5 five five LEDs. Um, so it's like a 3D cube. This is kind of like a different thing to that. So something pretty cool to check out there if you're interested in the developments in that. You can follow Fortronics on Twitter, which is Fortronics underscore UK. That's quite an amazing looking thing, isn't it? It reminds me of, uh, you won't remember this, but there used to be a TV show called Joe 90 and um, about a boy who had superpowers and he used to sit in a thing like, in the middle of a thing that looks like the, uh, the, awesome. the orbit. <laughs> Yeah, the other project that we found was an automated hand sanitizer. So this is using a microbit, an ultrasonic sensor, and looks like a servo. Um, again, we found this on Twitter. Josh, do you remember what Twitter handle that was? Or Michelle Michelleine Polo One. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, but that's quite a, a cool project. That if you want to make it yourself, looks pretty easy to get set up. I think I, I've seen quite a few of these projects that are related to what's going on at the minute. It's another cool thing uh, to do with the mic bit if you're bored at home with nothing to do. Yeah, I think that's the best one we've seen though. <laughs> so that is the end of the news section and we will head on over to the deep dive topic with Giles about the new website and classroom tool. Okay. Fire away. So, I'll take the first question. So, Giles, what do you do at the Microbit Foundation? And kind of, I know a lot of people say, oh, I didn't know the Microbit had 
a, a foundation behind it. I saw it was run by the BBC. So tell us a bit more about what you do and what the foundation do as a whole. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the Microbit Educational Foundation was kind of spun off from the BBC uh, a few years ago. So the Microbit project started as part of the BBC Make It Digital project back in, I think it was 2016, 2016, Yeah, it was about, so I was um, year seven when they did the rollout and it was meant you're to be the, 2015. You're the microbit generation. And it was meant to be 2015 when they rolled it out, but it ended up being 2016. Yeah. So um, I, back at that time, so while you were in year seven, I was teaching year seven. <laughs> so I was a teacher. Uh, I taught ICT and computer science. And uh, I, so I was one of the teachers who got the micro bits into school because when I saw this, I thought, yeah, well, have, we're going to have some of that. So uh, I signed up for that and we got we got our micro bits uh, at launch. So I've taught in primary and secondary um and uh so it's interesting we're both both of the microbit generation josh you're the microbit pu- student generation i'm the microbit teacher generation um so i started i started working for uh the microbit educational foundation uh, probably about 18 months ago so it's august not last year but the year before and uh my job involves um helping oversee all the educational content uh, on the website and basically that means quite a lot of the website now so we've just uh, relaunched our website which has been a long time coming so it has been we've been working on it since i joined so there's almost two years work uh, gone into that it's not quite finished yet we'll talk about that a bit later there's some more stuff to come um so that's my job really um overseeing the educational content thinking about how we present it um i do a lot of the i've sort of collated a lot of the projects so the make it code it projects uh, uh things that i've sort of collated and and repurposed and translated as well because i was very keen to have as many projects available in python as well as in make code um as a kind of teaching aid so i i took a lot of existing ideas for projects um I may have changed them a little bit in make code. I've tried to simplify everything to make it absolutely as simple as you can so that you can build on it. It gives you, uh, I have extension ideas on every project. So you, it's not just make this, it's make this, but then think, how can I improve it? How can I make it better? Uh, but also enable you so you can just throw the switch in the web page where you see the project code. You can switch from make code to Python on most of the projects. So you can learn about how the same concepts work uh, in both environments, which I think think could be quite handy it's a nice little learning point how does how does how, how does python handle a button press you know it's a bit different but we can learn from that i think that's really important as well for you know once people have kind of got the blocks in it and people want to move on to that like more advanced coding with the mic bit uh, they've got somewhere to go uh, and they're not just being thrown make code projects with nowhere to go which it, which is nice yep so, um, oh, I'm glad, glad, glad you like that. I'm glad you think that's useful. So that's, um, so I've been creating that. And uh, the other thing I do is I kind of look after our, our kind of newsletter and stuff like that. So um, uh, thinking of uh, thinking of things that are going to be useful for teachers. And this is proving very interesting because I had a map of what we were going to communicate over the next few months. And I've kind of ripped it all up and I'm starting again because, uh, because the world we're in is changing very rapidly. So uh, that's, that's kind of what, what I do. Cool. Sounds like an interesting job then. Yeah, definitely. It certainly is. So, next question. Tell us about the new developments of the website in the Classroom Tools. So, I've mentioned projects already. Uh, so, the other things we've got on the website, we've tried to make it's changed its purpose a bit, which is a bit odd, I know, but we, we realised that the audience for our website, we've done lots of research on it, the most people who looked at our website were teachers. 
and so we're trying to make it more useful for teachers so we've added um, lots more lessons so we didn't actually host a lot of lesson material on our website before so we've created new schemes of work for primary and secondary education um, that are all uh, using Microbit, but not exclusively. Some of them are, are unplugged lessons or they just have little coding activities that you can do with or without a Microbit. So uh, we've created those and published those. That's a big part of the new website. Um, we've also got a whole new section as well about the, the kind of onboarding experience about how you discover microbit and how you learn what it is. And that's where the videos come in that I talked about earlier and also curated sets of projects. Another new really important part of the website is the, is the get started section. This is like the onboarding experience for if you're new to microbit. So this is where the videos come in that I was talking about earlier. Uh, lots of little animations that take you through every feature of the microbit device explain what it is and how it works and how you might use it in a project. And we've also got curated sets of projects uh, that take you through very simple stuff from the first like simple, just putting a heart on your micro bit through to more complicated projects. So the get started section, really important. We've uh, beefed up the user guide as well. So we've got uh, new pages on the user guide. Uh, for example, a new Python guide where I've put samples for how you get every feature of the micro bit uh, working using Python code and I've put links in there as well to projects that practical things that you can make in Python uh, with the micro bit so you learn how to use radio how to use accelerometer how to use a temperature sensor the light sensor you name it uh, there's there's instructions there for how you can do that in Python so lots of things so we've got lessons we've got projects uh, we have got the get started section with this kind of user guide. It's like the, the, the thick user manual. You can imagine it's like the instruction book for the micro bit. Hopefully everything you need to know, uh, everything you need to know is in there. And in conjunction with this micro bit classroom, which we've talked about a little bit already, which was the uh, the tool for uh, managing coding sessions in class to make it easier to manage. Uh, by allowing you to distribute code to students very easily, swap code with students, uh, capture a lesson, do a snapshot of where everyone was at any point in time, and also crucially save the lesson at the end of the session as a single file that the teacher downloads, keeps somewhere safe, and then you can resume that lesson at another time. Your students can rejoin the lesson and they don't um, have to worry about saving their own code and saving it in the right part. As a teacher, this is something that I found very challenging, uh, persuading students to save their work in the first place, to save it with a meaningful name, file name that includes their name, and also to save it in the right place somewhere where we can all access it and they can retrieve it next week. Uh, lining those three things up for a teacher is quite challenging or it can be quite challenging. So we've taken that away. Uh, that problem doesn't exist anymore. The teacher downloads one file, everyone's work is captured in it and you can resume it at a later date. Yeah, there's a teacher up in Dundee. He's been using the Classroom tool a lot and is loving it. Oh, fantastic. Has he been using it remotely or has he just been using it, was he using it in class before school? I think at the minute he was just using it in class. Um, I've not spoken to him since he's used it remotely since then, but yeah, he's been enjoying it a lot. Fantastic. Oh, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, it's the same for uh, my school. They started using it for their Mars rover project where they've got, uh, I think they've got 20 Kitronic Move Minis. And what they do with them is they get the kids to kind of navigate a, a Mars rover course that they've built. And they've got to submit their work in a folder at the end of it so that the teacher can mark it. And since the Microbit Classroom tool came, um, he didn't have the problem of like, oh, well, I didn't save my work, uh, so what do I do now? Do I just get zero? 
so being able to just you know the teacher do everything with the saving is um i think they found that really useful great that's that's fantastic to know so we've touched on this briefly before but how can it be used for remote learning so what how do you kind of like imagine this being used in a remote learning setup so what we think uh because microbit classroom was designed for use in a physical classroom with everyone in the same room but uh because you just join the lesson uh using a website address and a pin there's no reason why it won't work if you're not all in the same room in many ways it works it works in a similar way to using it in class the teacher will go onto the microbit classroom tool create a new classroom session, which you can do in either MakeCode or Python. Uh, the advantage of doing it in MakeCode, especially for remote learning, is that you don't need a physical micro bit. You can just use the simulator in MakeCode. So it's probably best for remote teaching to do it in, in MakeCode, unless you know your students have got physical micro bits at home. Uh, you give your lesson a name and you can start off the session either with starter code that you can take from one of our projects. You can create your own starter code. You can upload your own hex file um, or you can have no code at all. It's entirely up to you how you begin the lesson and you can distribute that to anyone who joins your class. Um, the crucial bit is that the students need the information about joining the class. So they will need the classroom name which is a selection of colours and animals and modes of transport and things, and a PIN. So they've got a six-digit PIN number that they uh, that they need to join the class. So you need some way of distributing that to your students. The other key thing to remember about using Microbit Classroom remotely is it will only work in real time. So this is for a class that you are delivering live in real time as you would a normal lesson. Uh, you all need to be logged in at the same time. So you can't use it for setting a like a homework assignment or setting a task which pupils will join and come back to later, I'm afraid. It's unfortunate, but it was designed very specifically for in-class use. Um, and that's a limitation that still obviously carries across to remote teaching. So it's worth bearing that in mind. It only works if you're doing a live lesson. Um, so um, once you've got that set up and you've distributed the joining instructions to your uh, to your students, um, you would teach pretty much as you would a normal lesson. You can see what the pupils are doing in real time, what their code is, only instead of maybe walking around the classroom looking at their computer monitors, uh, you can see it in the teacher dashboard. So you can see the students all listed when they join the lesson. You can see who's in your classroom uh, and you can click on them and you can view pretty much in real time where they are and what coding, uh, what code they have uh, on their screen at any given time. So that feature in itself was one that we built into it. We didn't anticipate quite how useful that was going to be. It was like it was like a nice to have uh, for in classroom teacher. It just depended on your teaching style. Some people, some teachers like to teach from their desk. Um, not my style personally. I teach by walking around and looking at screens. Um, but this feature that we built in, where you can monitor students' code in real time, um, is absolutely perfect now for remote learning because you can see what people are doing. Uh, and then if you wanted to give them feedback back you would do that using your whatever uh, live streaming tool that you've got set up so that's the other part of the jigsaw you need as well as microbit classroom you need some way of, of doing a live kind of webcast you need some sort of youtube or google hangout or zoom or microsoft teams you need some way of talking in real time to your students cool so one question that i have is that microbit classroom supports make code and python but one of the other popular platforms is scratch uh, with the scratch extension is there are there plans to support scratch in the future 
That's a really good question. Um, it's something we have thought about. And interestingly, I had a couple of teachers at the BET Education Show in London in January ask me exactly the same question because uh, they could see they could see the value of this. Um, it's not something that's going to happen immediately. And I don't know what where we would go with what other other platforms or what other programming languages would be supported. But it's something we've certainly got in mind. So it's not impossible <laughs> is what I could say. It's sort of at the back of our minds that um, thinking about how we could open that out uh, to other programming languages. So it's not impossible, but uh, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen soon, I'm afraid. Yeah, because it, it is still a, a work in progress, isn't it? It is. It's still in beta. That's the other thing to say. So things may go wrong, but if people try it out for remote learning, we'd love to hear about it. Um, do get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via Twitter. The other thing to do is via our support channels. So if you go to our website and click on the support button at the top of the website uh, and fill in the support ticket, um, your queries are not answered by machines. They're answered by real human beings and they're lovely and amazing. So my colleagues uh, answer those support tickets. So um, do give us feedback. We'd love to hear about how you're using it or any problems that you might have had, especially because with it being in beta, uh, we, we know there'll be glitches along the way. And if you can let us know about things that have gone wrong, we can we can improve Microbit Classroom and we can fix it. Cool. Awesome, yeah. So let's go back to the start. Why did you decide to create these tools? Um, it's a really good question. It's um, It came from a piece of research that the Microbit Foundation did before I joined. In fact, I was one of the teachers who was kind of, I was a guinea pig. I was I was researched and asked uh, about the challenges. We were asked about the challenges we, fa uh, we face teaching coding and teaching computer science in schools. And lots of, lots of things came out of that out of that about things that people find challenging and find difficult uh, and some themes emerged one of which was the problem that schools have with very limited time in the curriculum and it varies from school to school but some schools things have been so sort of compressed that they only have very limited time for teaching computing it might only be half an hour a week or it might be one lesson every two weeks or maybe they only teach it for a very compressed part of a term and the problems that they had continuing projects over from one lesson to the next, that that was a real struggle uh, and kind of losing momentum, lo physically losing the code that pupils were working on. And that that was a barrier to people doing um, more interesting projects, because in the confines of a lesson, by the time you've set your lesson up, you've got everyone sat down, you've taken the register, you've got your physical micro bits out, you've told them what they need to do. They've programmed it. Oh, there's the bell. Right. It's time to finish. So that's a real just time. Time is a real problem for teachers uh, in, in any setting, really. So I think that's the number one um, motivation behind Microbit Classroom to save time for teachers to make the lessons more productive. So, for example, they don't have to worry about pupils having to save the code. As long as the teacher saves the lesson at the end of the lesson, uh, the whole lesson is captured and you can resume next time. And it just makes managing the whole um, coding experience a lot easier rather than telling pupils, oh, go and find this bit of code here in your shared drive or whatever and load it up. Um, you just give it to them. You can just, at the click of a button in any lesson, you can distribute the same code to every pupil or to sets of pupils or individual pupils. Uh, even if like one pupil finishes early, they have the option in Microbit Classroom, you can click on the I'm finished button. It's like putting your hand up. 
Uh, and you could give that student more work. So you could give them another task. You could give them a new bit of starter code and you can send it just to that student if you want, as well as the whole class. So it's just making it much, much easier for, for teachers to manage a lesson and hopefully get over some of those uh, those barriers of the limited time that they have to teach coding, practical coding, physical computing in class. Cool. So obviously the new website and Mikebit Classroom didn't happen overnight, even though you may wish they did. Tell us more about the process that went on behind creating both of them. So we had, um, we had a sort of rough idea. So we sort of sketched out a plan of what we thought the classroom tool might look like. And then it's gone through uh, lots and lots work so we're a very small organization we're a small team but they've worked incredibly hard building this new website and the classroom tool all at the same time so lots of technical work went on but also work went on talking to teachers as well finding out about what features because we had a very long list of features that we thought it would be nice to have and cutting that list down uh, to a manageable list of of what would be the minimum thing that would make this a useful tool so um Part of it was just sort of research, talking to teachers and balancing that against um, trying to work out how much coding effort, development effort was needed for each feature. So if a feature was kind of nice to have, but actually really easy to implement, it would probably get on the list and would end up in the first version of Microbit Classroom. If a feature was just a nice to have, but took a lot of development effort, that might not have got into the first version of the product. So it's a really interesting product development journey, trying to work out what is your, your minimum viable product that you can ship that's actually practically useful to people, and then uh, working out what you're going to do further down the line, how you're going to develop it further on. Uh, so it's been it's been absolutely fascinating to me. You know, I come from a, a from an education background, um, uh, being dropped into this world of actually having having great ideas about what you'd like this tool to do, but finding out in practice how do you develop a product like this? How do you ship it? How do you get it out the door? Cool. What's next for the microbit ecosystem and the foundation in general? So we've not. Uh, although we've launched our new website, it's not finished yet. So there's still work going on. Um, so there's a couple of bits that haven't been launched yet. So we don't have a news page at the moment. So that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, so it's very timely <laughs> that we were able to um, post news on our website. So at the moment, if you want to keep keep across what Microbit is doing, there's two ways you can do it. Across our social media, on Twitter, on Facebook are the best places. Also, we have a newsletter. If you go to our website and scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a, a button there. You can sign up to do our newsletter. Now, we are doing more regular updates. So we're going to be sending out a, a newsletter every week now. Um, so do sign up to our newsletter. That's that's probably the best way of keeping across developments. But we're going to have news pages. We're going to have a blog on the website coming up shortly. Uh, to go alongside the newsletter and go alongside our social media. We're going to have a whole section about impact as well. So all the case studies from around the world. Uh, one of my colleagues, Amy, has been doing amazing work just trying to get a picture because we didn't, we realised we didn't have a like a document in one place kind of showing that the impact that Microbit has globally uh, because although we're a tiny organisation, um, Microbit is huge. It's used all around the world and it's used in very, very different ways in different countries. So uh, we're going to have a set of pages that can um, that will sort of help to illustrate that. And so you can find out more about the different ways Microbit is being used uh, around the world. 
Uh, we're still doing a lot of work on Microbit Classroom. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Microbit Classroom is still in beta. So the big project we're working on at the moment is to try and get Microbit Classroom out of beta. So there's some technical work behind the scenes uh, going on. There's a couple of features that I talked about. We had to leave some things out that we thought was quite that would be um, nice to have, but weren't essential. So we might see if we can get some of those extra features uh, implemented in Microbit Classroom. And also we're, we're now, now people have started using it and especially people using it remotely we're getting more feedback from teachers that's why it's really important if you do use microbit classroom that you engage with us um, through our support channels preferably a uh, support button on the website uh, to let us know how you get on with it or if you have ideas for it as well about how how it could be improved uh, we'd love to hear about them uh, there's work going on with a python editor as well continue to develop that and the other big project we're working on at the moment are translations now we've launched our new website and it's only in english at the moment and the reason for that is we wanted to get the new website out there with all the new content and we were focusing our translation efforts because we rely on volunteers to translate our website on making sure that our editors are translated because that has the biggest impact on children uh, we think mainly it's teachers who use our website and it's uh, students and children use the code editors uh, we can see their sort of journey where people land on our website most people go off to let's code and that's because they're in classes and they want to get coding and that's brilliant because they are coding with make code or with python so we are really focusing our effort on trying to get make code translated into more languages it's already available in quite a lot of languages but some of the translations aren't complete so if you switch language in make code you'll see uh, when you get to some of the more advanced blocks you'll see they may not be translated and we want to fill that uh, set up and there are also some languages that are missing from make code so we want to make sure that they're added um, and then uh, the same goes for the python editor so we updated our python editor recently and added the ability to add translations to the python editor which is kind of a bit odd because python is is written in english it's one of the advantages of python is it's very easy to read because the syntax of a python program is very much like an english sentence it's very easy to read if you even if you don't understand python or perhaps don't even understand computers you can look at a simple python program and you could probably work out what it does um, but the editor itself all the buttons around the editor um, uh, have got labels on that are in english at the moment and a couple we've got a few languages we've got a couple of languages in there and we want to add more languages to our python editor to make it more accessible and we're also adding uh, looking at add the best way of adding translations to microbit classroom so microbit classroom at the moment is only in english but we're discovering because of the times we live in it's become more relevant than we ever imagined it would be when we launched it in beta so we're working on seeing the best ways that we can implement translations uh, in the microbit classroom tool so that is the end of the interview thank you for giving us a bit of an insight into what you do thank you very much been delightful i'm now terrified at all the things i have to do looking <laughs> at my to-do list so let's head on over to our last section which is feedback and announcements So our first and only bit of feedback for this episode, because we haven't publicised it on our mailing list yet, which we'll do for the first episode, because we thought that would be more relevant and we didn't want to just spam everyone all of a sudden. Our first bit of feedback is, so is this podcast going to be specifically about the mic bit or will you talk about other things as well? So that is a interesting question. We will be focusing on the mic bit, but what we want to do is we want to vary each episode to different 
kind of elements of the mic bit. So this episode is more about the process of the educational side of the mic bit. But then we hope to have some people talking about the maker side of the mic bit. And then another episode we want to talk about the more techie side of the mic bit. So like, how is the mic bit designed? How does the radio function work? More in-depth sort of stuff. So we will be varying the different topics that we do on each episode. Uh, We hope to have a new episode out every two weeks, but don't hold us to that because sometimes things do get in the way, but we'll try our best to do that. So that is the only bit of feedback that we have for now. As we mentioned um, earlier on, you can send feedback at bitcast.micromag.cc, which will get an email to us and we will respond as soon as we can via email or we will reply directly via the podcast. So that is that. That's the feedback that we have for this episode. Our first announcement that we have to make is about our new book that you may have seen on on Twitter. We are working on a Getting Started with Microbit book which will be a fully community written book which will have some of our older make articles from previous editions of the magazine and some new content as well. We're aiming for about 80 to 100 pages with that and we'll have it in print and as always a free PDF. Yeah, as well as that, we're also looking for contributions to the next edition of Micromag. So to contribute, go to micromag.cc forward slash contribute. Yeah, and we've recently done up the website so that that page, rather than just being a form, Uh, It's kind of a step-by-step guide of how the contributions process works for those of you who are new to all of that. But of course, if you have any questions, you can email us and we'll do our best to help you out with getting started on writing an article. We hope to have the next edition out in the next two months with the printed issue seven copies that we're running. We are still hoping to ship those out, but we released a statement on the store website. So if you go micromagstore.com at the top, that'll give you an update as to where we're at with uh, shipping those and what we'll do if the postal service slows down or shuts down and we can't uh, get those out to you. Our current state is we'll be shipping them out, but if we can't, what we'll do is we will give everyone the option to cancel, but if we have to delay the shipping, we'll be uh, more than happy to do it if that's the right thing to do. So that is the end of the show. And what we'll do now is we'll just go through where we can find each other on the internet after, on Twitter or via our websites. Thank you. Uh, Well, the things that I've been talking about in the programme, the best place to go for those obviously is microbit.org. That's the official Microbit Educational Foundation website. Uh, speaking personally, I'll take my micro bit hat off now. Uh, personally, you'll find me uh, on social media. You'll find me on Twitter. I am at BlogMyWiki. It's my own personal Twitter. Um, and I also have a blog uh, dating back quite a number of years now from when I was a teacher and even before that. Uh, so my personal blog is at suppertime.co.uk forward slash blog my wiki for me you can find me on twitter which is at all underscore about underscore code which is a bit of a mouthful i have a website which is edubox.org my personal website is a bit of a mess so i won't link that this time because that's one of the jobs to do this week and you can reach me on my micromag email which is josh at micromag.cc for any questions 
about edgy blocks, micromag, or anything that I do. Yep, and you can find me at raspikid on Twitter, uh, raspikid.com, and kerry at micromag.cc. And again, same as Josh, just any questions or anything or that you've got about anything that I do, yep. So, that is the end of the show. Thank you, Giles, for joining us uh, to talk about the Foundation and the new things that are going on over there. Oh, thank you so much. I'd just like to wish you all the best uh, with your podcast, with Bitcast. I think it's a fantastic idea. Just, I was amazed at my mentions on Twitter when you... <laughs> you floated that you were doing this and you, you put my Twitter handle in there and my phone was going bing, bing, bing. So um, there's definitely a demand for it. Uh, so I think you're onto something and I'd just like to wish you all the best from everyone at the Microbit Educational Foundation. Thank you.